have the capacity for by my living and by my acting in that name. And folks, listen carefully. If we misuse the name of Jesus, we are guilty of spiritual forgery. And that's serious. That'd be like you being a clerk and a trusted bank employee or a trusted corporation, corporate employee. And you go and you write a check, but you're writing it for your own interest and for your own good. Spiritual forgery. So I want to tell you something. When I, when I pray and I ask it in Jesus' name, I think two and three times about it before I use those terms. As I bear his name before men, I have the power to use it before God. Show me what his name means. And only the Holy Spirit can cause that name to have the supremacy in my heart and my life. Only the Holy Spirit. Folks, it's a lot of these things that we've talked about this week that are so foreign to us. And I say that because of my own experience. I grew up in an independent Baptist church. I was never taught these things. We talked about prayer. I heard a lot of messages on prayer. I heard some school lessons on prayer. But never to this day can I ever remember being taught about what does it mean to ask in Jesus' name. My wife said last night as we were uh, going back to the Brother Spillman's home, she said, I wish we had been taught these things when we were children. Folks, children need to be taught these things. So may we use the name of Jesus to open the treasures of heaven for this perishing world. Hopefully we'll learn as servants of the King to use his name. But by all means, don't be guilty of spiritual forgery. Don't be guilty of that. Make sure that what you're asking, you can ask it totally in his interest, not any interest of yours or any other human being. Spiritual forgery is a terrible sin. Pastor, I'm going to turn it back to you. In my name, I will do it. In those two verses, he repeats the same statements almost. Verse 13 said, you shall ask in my name. Verse 14, you shall ask anything in my name. So you notice the words whatsoever and anything. It's pretty inclusive. In John chapter 15, verse 16, he says, You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever... You shall ask in the Father's name, I'm sorry, whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Again in chapter 16, verse 23 and 24 and 26. Jesus said, and in that day you shall ask of me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever 
You shall ask in the Father, ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Verse 24, hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. And that's a key verse. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. And verse 26, and at that day you shall ask in my name. And I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you. The disciples, as you read with me there in a moment, in verse 24 of chapter 16, the disciples had not asked in Jesus' name before this. Jesus had not used the expression prior to this time. The nearest thing to this expression was when Jesus said, when you meet together in my name. And Jesus repeated these words continually as we read them tonight. And if you're going to ever take a course in Bible study, that is how to study the Bible, one of the, one of the main rules is when a word or a phrase is used more than once, look at it carefully because there's a reason for it. So we looked at about four, let's see, one, two, three, four, four or five times when Jesus talked about asking Anything, he said, whatsoever, anything, what you will. And his name, I get from this, is our only plea. His name is our all-sufficient plea. The power of prayer and its answer depends on the right, and this is carefully stated, on the right use of his name. How many times do we really think about it when we come to that either middle part of the prayer or beginning or whatever, or silent prayer, that we really think about what we're asking in Jesus' name? You see, what is in a person's name? You ever thought about that? What's involved in a name? Well, the expression by uh, the name is an expression by which that person is called upon and represented to us. I think of Brother Kenneth Lowry, and bad things come to my mind. <laughs> I think of Brother Doug tonight, and I, immediately I think he didn't get any any whipped cream on his uh, on his pie. I won't tell you what I think about when I think of Brother Spillman. (laughs) No, I'm kidding, of course. It's the expression by which that person is called upon and represented to us. The mention of a person's name calls to mind not just a part of the person, but it calls to mind the whole man, what I know of him, and the impression that he's made on me at some point or points. When we hear the president of our country's name called, we often think about his power. We think about his authority. We think about his honor. We think about respect because that name is the symbol of power in our country. Each name of the triune God, the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit, embodies and represents some part of the glory of the unseen one. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, those are not, those names should not be carelessly used. 
My wife and I have commented this. It seems to be an expression that even some Christians use when they use it. Excuse me, I'm going to use it. When they say, good God. Folks, that's terrible. Each name of the triune God embodies and represents some part of the glory of the unseen, uh, of the unseen one. The name of Christ represents all he has done. All he's done. It represents all that he is. It represents all he lives to do as our mediator with the Father. I ask you this question that I've asked myself when I was putting together these notes. What does it mean to do something in the name of another person? Well, let me help you here. I wish we had a more classroom situation because I'd get some answers from you, but we'd be here till 10 o'clock, so we won't. That's good that we don't go that route. What does it mean to do something in the name of another person? It means that you come with the power and the authority of that other person, acting as his representative and as his substitute. Now, this presupposes a community of interest. Because no one would allow another person the free use of his name without first being assured that his honor and his interest were as safe with him as with himself. Isn't that right? What is it when Jesus gives us his, uh, gives us power to use his name? And not only just gives us power, but free use of it with the assurance that whatever we ask in it will be given to us. And now, when I state this, uh, unless you've been here at all the services, there's, there's a lot of conditions. This is one of the conditions. With the assurance that whatever we ask in it will be given to us. You read the Scriptures with me, so don't play it down. Don't rationalize. Say, well, you know, this is what I know it means. That's a... No, no. Just take it for what it means. Take it for what it says. It is not one person giving another on a special occasion the liberty to ask something in his name. This permission is given to all his disciples. He didn't call John's name. He didn't call Peter's name. He didn't call Thomas's name. This was given to all of his disciples. It's a general and unlimited power of the free use of his name at all times for all that they desired. Let me say that again, to all of his disciples, all times, for all they desire. You see, he would not delegate this use of the name, of his name, unless he knew he could trust us with his honor and trust us with his interest. You see, the name, the privilege that we have of using his name is a token of great confidence and a very close union between Myself and the Lord, or you and the Lord. He's saying, if you have my interest at heart, then you can use my name. You see, the one who takes another's name gives up his own name as of its having no value. He denies himself. He takes only the other person's name. And he takes that person's self instead of his own self, 
and what he is. Now, I want to give to you several ways in which the use of a person's name can be considered, and we're going to apply this. One is uh, that name can be used as in the sense of a legal union, such as in a business. A businessman may choose to delegate his authority to a clerk, who then has the right to draw sometimes very large amounts of money from the bank for the business for the business use. Am I right? Sometimes that happens. In fact, in all big corporations that happens to some degree. And that clerk draws out the money, not for his own use, but in the interest of the business. You see, the business owner must trust the clerk. You don't want a felon <laughs> as a clerk and give them the authority to write checks. You see, Jesus left earth and went to heaven, and he left his work, he left his ministry, and the management of his kingdom on earth with you and me. Now, that was his choice. Just think about that. He rose. He went back. He's at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. But he's using, or he left the management of his work to us, his servants. That's almost impossible to comprehend. I put a question here. Supplies? Well... Jesus gave us his name to draw all the supplies needed. They are at his Father's disposal to conduct his business. We have this power to the extent that we yield ourselves to act only for the interests and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. You see, we set the limits, and the use of Jesus' name always presupposes the surrender of our interests to him whom we represent. That's uh, looking at it from a legal standpoint. Another way to look at this is, a, is in a, from the standpoint of a life union or family. You see, business may be temporary, often is. That is, clerk, this today, two years from now, another clerk, give the same responsibility. That can be temporary. Oneness of life on earth gives oneness of a name. You know why I have the name Zellner? It's because my dad, but because my dad's name was Zellner. You know why dad had, my dad had a name of Zellner? Because his dad was named Zellner. Those are outstanding remarks, aren't they? Don't forget that. But oneness of life on earth gives oneness of name. A son has his father's name because he has his father's life. Please understand. Often a son is honored for the sake of the name that he carries. That honor would not last very long, though, if the father's character was missing in the son. I remember the first experience I had of borrowing money when we, my wife and I, Got married, and uh, I'd never borrowed any money before, so my dad went with me to the bank. 
and he was going to sign with me so that he could get us a stove or a refrigerator or both, something like that. And my dad had to leave for some reason a few minutes, so the, the banker turned to me and he said, Ed, he said, if your character is like your dad's character, you can borrow anything that you need right here at this bank. So let me say this again. Often the son is honored for the sake of the name he carries, and that honor, though, would not last long if the father's character was missing in the son. You see, the name and the character, and character simply means who you are. We misuse that name. We say, what a character you are. Well, well that's a kind, of a mis, kind of a misuse of the name, but character simply, it's what you are. It's what you really are. It's what you... Sometimes people can't see that altogether. But the name and character must be in harmony. The son then has a double claim. And we're still talking about the life union. The son then has a double claim. He has his father's name and his father's character. So at Bankers, he talked to me. He not, I know, I didn't, what he was saying is that you only, you, you have your father's name, Zellner. But hopefully we have your father's character, or you have your father's character. You see, our new nature in Christ qualifies us. Jesus and I, we are one, one life, and I can use his name if my life characterizes Jesus' life. John 17, verses 20 through 23 speaks to that about that. We won't go to it, but John 17, 20 through 23. My power in using his name, and we use it, my power in using his name depends on the measure of my spiritual life, my union with him. This is connected to a, ver- to a passage that we've already studied and alluded to several times, but studied in particular particularly in John 15, verse 7, abiding in him and his words abiding in me. I must ask for what? I must ask for that which is the Father's will and not mine. I will do that if I have my Father's character. And only then what I ask in, what I ask is in Jesus' interest. This is what Jesus said when he said, Not my will, but thine be done. So we've looked at this in two ways, the legal union. And now we're looking at it from the, I've looked at it from the life union. But I want us to look at it from a different standpoint yet. And that's the name, such use of a name may be in a union of love or marriage. A bride gives up her own name and receives full rights to the groom's right. Right, men? Full rights. Some of you are smiling. I know what you're thinking. (laughs) Yes, the bride gives up her name and receives full rights to the groom's rights. She may purchase items in his name. We've got some credit cards, I think, too, and my wife's name's on that, but my name's on it, too. She has not refused to use, she's not refused the use of his name. My wife signs a check, she writes it, Mrs. Edwin Zellner. You see, this is so because the groom has chosen her for himself. 
and trusting her to care for his interests. And they too now are one. That's scriptural. They too now are one, a union of love. The Bible talks about marriage, doesn't it? That you become one. And so it is with Jesus. He loves us. And that's not just a sentence to be repeated. He loves us. And as we read there in John 15, 16, and 19, He has chosen us. As a businessman chooses his clerk, as a father accepts his son, and as the groom accepts his wife, he has chosen us. And he gave us his name for coming before his father to ask. Folks, that's wonderful. He has given me the use of his name to approach the heavenly father and ask for that which I need to benefit or to do his work here on earth. You see, bearing Jesus' name presupposes, though, and I must say this, it presupposes my having given up my own name and with it my own independent life and my interests now are His interests. That's what it presupposes. If you're going to use Jesus' name, you better have His interest at heart. You better not have your interests at heart. You better get, be willing to give up your own independent life if you're going to properly use His name. Jesus' name represents Jesus Himself. That's obvious. And to ask in His name is to ask in full union, full unit of interest or love. Living in Him and living for Him. When the name of Christ has full supremacy in my heart and my life, and my, then my faith will grow to be assured that when I, what I ask in His name cannot be refused. Now there's a lot of, there's a lot of ifs there. Let me go over that again. When the name of Christ has full supremacy, right away somebody's going to make an excuse, well, that'll never happen. It could happen. By the grace of God, it can happen. When the name of Christ has full supremacy in my heart and in my life, my faith will grow to be assured that what I ask in His name cannot be refused. I've got Scripture to back that up. I'll read it to you tonight. You know, in James, or I'm sorry, in 1 John chapter 5, I want, to, I want to turn that right quickly. 1 John chapter 5 and uh, verse 14 and 15. And we're reading this in reference to prayer and in reference to what I'm talking about here. 14 and 15, chapter 5. And this is the confidence that we have in Him. We're talking about Christ. This is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. John's saying, no doubt about it. That's, I'm confident of that. And if we know that He hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know 
that we have the petitions that we desire of him. And again, folks, I say because I'm relating to myself, don't, don't rationalize that away. Take it for what it says. Take it and believe it what it says. After all, this is the inspired word of God, right? You see, how do I, but here brings a question, which is a, I'm going to just simplify this, but how do I know his will? Well, in James chapter 1, verse 5, it says, If any man lacketh the wisdom, let him ask. That's simple, isn't it? We, we make, we make a comp, we complicate some things. We complicate some simple things. The will of God. It's not complicated. God doesn't tease us with His will. He doesn't make it so complicated that you've got to have a PhD in order to understand the will of God, uh, His will. He doesn't make that, that hard. He makes his will so so simple and so easy to find that all you got to do is, first of all, go to his word. Here's where you find his will is right here in the word. Now, in the word, you're going to find big umbrellas of thought. So you're going to have to bring your particular circumstance and find the umbrella in which it, uh, uh, under which it falls and then determine whether it's God's will on that basic principle or that large principle. Are you with me on this? For instance, if you... Uh, you're going to say, is it God's will for me to leave here tonight? Well, you can stay here and read all 66 books of the Bible, and he'll never tell you that you're supposed to go home tonight. <laughs> but there are principles in the Word that would cover that. So, how do I know His will? By the Word. Secondly, by the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27, we use that verse several times already. It says those things that we sometimes we don't know what to ask for. And yet the Holy Spirit helps us, and He enables us, and He utters words that we can't even utter. Folks, the will of God is not easy to find. The hard part about it is for us. That is, it's our problem. You see, the name and the power of asking go together. When the power of Jesus' name rules my life, The power of his name in prayer will exhibit it also, or will be exhibited. When the power of Jesus' name rules my life, right away we try to write, well, that's never possible. My dear brothers and sisters, the, the Bible is full of admonitions to be like Jesus and to follow his precepts and to follow his principles. Am I not, am I not right? It's full of it. So when the power of Jesus' name rules my life, and the power power of his name in prayer will be exhibited also. You see, everything depends on my my relation to his name. I'm related to the name of Jesus. Are you? You, Jesus Christ, I'm called a Christian. Not just called a Christian, I am a Christian because I've trusted Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as my personal Savior. And guess what? He did what he said. He saved me. So, you see, everything depends on my relation to his name. The power it has on my life is the power it will have in my prayers. If Jesus, is, if Jesus, is, if Jesus has no power in your life, then his name's not gonna, you're not going to have any power in, life, in prayer as well. 
Colossians chapter 3, verse 17 says, Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm sorry, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Also, another verse is ask all. In Micah chapter 4, verse 5, it says, we, we shall walk in the name of our God. You see, God looks not to the lips, but to the life to judge what Jesus' name is to us. When his name is everything to me, it'll obtain everything for me. If I let it have all I have, it'll allow me to have all it has. Now, I recognize we're, we're well, I shouldn't say this. In most, in most situations, we're not used to this kind of language. Because we say, well, you know, I've tried it, it doesn't work. Oh, listen, if you pray and it doesn't work, don't cop out and say, well, it's just not the Lord's will. Search and find out why it didn't work. And then correct the situation. In John 14, 13, I'm back there again. One of those verses I read a moment ago or at the very beginning. I want to read it again for sake of emphasis. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. Folks, that promise is literal. Don't put a symbolism on that. Don't, don't take the power of, out of that verse. Somebody said, well, is that too free? You know what the safeguard to that promise is? When he said, in my name, that's the safeguard. You see, this power cannot be used by me any further than I... Good evening. <laughs> well, it's been a good week. I was telling your pastor a little bit ago while we were eating, or before we were eating, that uh, my wife and I have certainly enjoyed uh, being here this week and being with you folks, being with your pastor and his wife and you and your associate pastor and his wife and as well as church members. It's been a real, real good time. I don't think I've ever had uh, in uh, prayer meetings, that is, in a prayer seminar like this, any better attention than I've had here this week. This is the last night, <clears throat> so I want to take the opportunity to thank you for Thank you and your pastor for the invitation to come and to be with you. And I do hope, as your pastor just stated, that because we have studied prayer, that it will involve a much larger part of your life than ever before. As we've talked about uh, scheduling prayer, we schedule a lot of other things, so there ought to be a scheduled time for prayer. Whenever that might be for you, that's uh, up to you. But uh, I find that in my own case, that it's so easy just to pray at the meal times. Maybe pray at night, pray at maybe to get up in the morning. But to actually schedule prayer, it is very, very difficult not to schedule it, but to keep the schedule. So uh, thank you, church, for and pastor, for inviting me here. And we'll be leaving uh, tomorrow uh, morning to go back to Texas. Not the great state of Texas, but Texas. <laughs> Tonight, my first lesson is going to be on in my name 
I want you to turn with me to several verses, or you may just want to listen to me as I read them. And first one in John 14, verse 13 and 14. The thing that brought me to study this particular area is because somebody asked me as I was pastor, why do you pray in Jesus' name? I didn't have an answer for them. I did after I studied it, but at first I didn't have an answer for it. I thought that when I grew up, I did, that's just a way to close a prayer. But uh, I've learned better than that. In John 14, verse 13 and 14, he said, Whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do. Whatsoever. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. In John and verse 14, If you shall ask anything.